All right. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Romans chapter number 4. Romans chapter number 4. And I uh, certainly appreciate the, that song, and Christ arose. I, I don't know uh, we're singing that. I thought that's a little faster than I'm used to singing it. And, uh, and I was reminded when we would travel to many churches, it was always interesting because, you know, in your church, you get used to doing things one way. You just do. And when you travel to other churches, they're used to doing something the way that they do things. And so we would go to one church, we would go there regularly. Actually, it was my, my wife's home church, and their music, they sang all their hymns, I think double time from what I'm used to. And, uh, and man, we would just run through those songs, and I'm like, uh, it was good they sang them the same melody, same way we did, they just sang them faster. And, uh, and then some other churches, it was like you'd go there, and, uh, and they sang them slower than we did, or we were accustomed to. And, uh, and boy, it's like, man, you realize that uh, there's a lot of variance out there, even with people of our own circles, of our own, uh, you know, they sing the same hymns that we do, but they still sing them a little bit different, a little bit slower, a little bit faster. They hold this. They don't hold that, and so uh, there's all kinds of variants of music out there, and, uh, and it's just interesting. So that, that was free. It has absolutely nothing to do with the message uh, or anything to do really with anything other than music is uh, interesting, and it can, uh, timing, I guess, is, is uh, fluid, I guess, would be the word that would, we would say there. But uh, Romans chapter number 4, Romans 4 we went through the first part of this chapter, and, and Paul gave uh, the reasons for justification by faith, not works. Now, he is, Paul is going to, uh, in these next verses, 9 through 17, that we're going to look at, he's going to give us the arguments for justification by grace, not by law. And uh, as we look at this, he is going to go back and he's going to deal with Abraham again. And then the last part of the chapter, he'll give us justification is by resurrection power, not human effort. And so uh, as we look at this, uh, Paul tends to, uh, I mean, if he were a lawyer, he really was a lawyer, uh, but if he were a lawyer arguing a court case, he is going to nail it down and then he's going to nail it down again, and then he's going to nail it down again. So there's a lot of repetition in this chapter, but there are very fine differences that we can note the differences there if we'll look at them, because uh, they are, there are nuances, there are slight variants, where he says the same thing, but he's attacking it from a different angle, and he wants to make sure, above all things, that justification is by uh, faith and grace and not at all by human effort. And so he's going to nail that down more than one time. And by the way, that is probably um, the largest problem in Christendom or religious circles even, you could say it that way, is that man always thinks that he can justify himself before God through his own works. And by the way, there's probably nothing more that appeals to the flesh than being able to pay for your own debts. Um, we spent a lot of time in, in South America, and, uh, and one of the, the, the largest religions down there, I often thought, you know, it's amazing to me that people 
really, they, they, it does really appeal to the flesh. If you think about it, Satan is a mastermind in designing ways that people can feel comfortable like they're okay with God, but be completely steeped uh, in, in their lost state. And, uh, and we talked about that a little bit this morning. Uh, but, but really, you think about it, they, they think, well, I've, I've gone to church, I've done my part, and, uh, and really I can live any way that I want and do anything I want. Um, and that's the idea and mentality of many people, and they don't have to change. By the way, that's comfortable, but it's not Bible. And that's what Paul is attacking here. That is what Paul is nailing down uh, repetitively, that, that in and of ourselves we are not able to gain justification. So in Romans chapter 4 here, in verse number 9, the Bible says this. He asks a question. He says, Cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also? For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And let's stop right there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity, the privilege, God, that we have to study your word and to learn your word and to spend time uh, really understanding what you uh, have given us. And Father, I pray that you'd use me. God, I pray that you would um, help me to uh, teach and expound upon these scriptures, Father, that you would help each and every person to, to understand what is being taught here this evening. And Father, we'll be careful to give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. As we look at this, he starts out in the beginning of verse 9, and, and he's continuing on from his arguments preceding that, uh, that justification is by faith and not by works. And then he says this in verse 9, Cometh this blessedness. He's talking about the justification. Uh, coming, cometh this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also. Now, I'll remind us that when he's talking about this circumcision and uncircumcision, uh, he is dealing specifically with the Jewish people. Uh, because circumcision was given to the Jewish people as a sign uh, from God. And so when he mentions circumcision, he's talking about Jewish people. And when he mentions uncircumcision, that would be us. That would be us Gentiles who did not receive that same sign. Now, if you're a Jew here, then you would fall under the circumcision. And if you're, you're not, uh, then you would fall under the Gentile system. And so what he's saying is, both of these sides are covered. Whether it's Jewish or whether it's not Jewish, whether it's Gentile, they are all covered uh, under this idea then. Uh, so he says, listen... The blessedness is not reserved for only the Jews or only for the Gentiles, but it's for all people. That's what he says. And he's going to go on and talk about this in verse number 10. And before we get there, he says, uh, the righteousness that we talked about is by faith. And we know that. Um, it's undisputed that, that Abraham was justified by faith. We went through and we talked about uh, Abraham being justified by faith a couple weeks ago when we looked at uh, this idea in Romans chapter 4. And, uh, and he says, and so what I want us to see in these two verses, verses 9 and 10, 
is the time of righteousness. That's what he's going to boil it down to. He's going to say, hey, what time did Abraham receive the righteousness that he got? And as we think about this, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the time that you were saved. At what time were you born again? Uh, we, we, uh, I've been in churches and they'll sing a, uh, the song and, and they'll just impromptu have people stand up and uh, say, hey, what time they, they were saved. And uh, listen, it's good to remember the time that you were saved. It ought to have been something that impacted your life uh, that said, man, God made a difference uh, when He moved into my life. And, uh, and we ought to know that. Now listen, many times, especially young people who grew up in church, that would be me, I grew up in church my whole life. Uh, sometimes we might struggle because, uh, listen, when you grow up in church, you go to church. I heard one person give a testimony this way. He said, he said, I was saved out of a drug problem at the age of five. Five? Drug problem? What in the world? He said, yeah, he said, I was drugged to church all for five years of my life and I didn't want to go. But when I got saved, I wanted to go. And my parents no longer drugged me to church. I went to church on my own with my parents, of course. And sometimes that's true. You know, when, when somebody who's growing up in church their whole life, uh, they get saved. Listen, the reality is they've probably already been in church a regular amount of time. And, and many times uh, they, they should recognize that, hey, there is a difference in their life. But listen, it's not going to be drastic. Uh, somebody who gets saved out of a life of sin, they get saved the exact same way. But I tell you what, they recognize it. They know Man, I, I used to do all these things, and I'm glad that I'm no longer in that. And so they understand that change. So sometimes uh, people who, are, who get, grow up in church and get saved, uh, sometimes they struggle with remembering what that date was and when that time was. Uh, but just so long that you know there was a time. You don't have to say it was April 24th at 10 a.m., uh, but you ought to know that there was a time in your life that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you don't know that, listen, you need to get that nailed down. And you need to know that because that is salvation. So he's going to come back and he's going to, uh, he's going to pick at what time it was that, uh, that Abraham was justified. Look at verse number 10. How was it then reckoned when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision? And he answers the question, not in circumcision. Go back with me to Genesis chapter number 15. Genesis chapter number 15. And I think we looked at this last week or the, several weeks ago. But Genesis 15 is when uh, Abraham received the promise. And so look with me in Genesis chapter number 15. Of course, in Genesis, I believe it was chapter 12, uh, God called Abram out of his country and told him to get away from his family and from his where he grew up and that God was going to lead him into a place that he would show him. And of course, he does that. And, and in Abraham, or Genesis chapter 15 and verse number 6, we have this promise that we looked at last well, several weeks ago. And it says there in, in Genesis 15 and verse 6, And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. Verse 6. I think I said 6 and I read 5. 
and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And so we see this verse that, hey, it's very clear when it was in Abraham. Abraham could take you to a time and place in his life when he said, man, I believe the promises of God. God has given me these promises, and I'm going to put my faith and trust in Him. And Paul is saying, listen, that was the point of salvation in Abraham's life. And it was a point when he believed God. Uh, in, in the following chapter, chapter 16, we're not going to read it for sake of time, uh, but uh, Ishmael was born. And we find that that was not God's plan, of course. And you go on in chapter 17. And in chapter 17, uh, God institutes uh, circumcision in the, in the life of Abraham. And I want you to notice that Ishmael is now 14 years old. So from the time that he put his faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, 14 years later, just two chapters, we find that God institutes circumcision for the Jewish people. Um, I, I, I thought for sure I wrote this verse down, and I did not. I did. We're going to look at it a little further ahead. But um, so the time of righteousness uh, was before he had instituted the circumcision, and before he had given them that that uh, that that covenant that he had made with them. Uh, so we need to understand, hey, that this has nothing to do with the law or the ceremonies that God later instituted. It was based solely on Abraham's faith. And we know that from the time that it took place. And that's what Paul is saying, uh, that it was the, uh, the, the time period and time frame. And he's saying the timing is solely based on Abraham's faith and grace. And this was God's granting to Abraham what he didn't deserve. Abraham was chosen of God. There was no, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't goodness in Abraham's life, but God chose Abraham and said, listen, uh, I'm going to make for you a promise. And he did give him a promise, and Abraham believed God. So we see the faith, uh, and we see the grace that was instituted. We see the timing, that it was before the law, and before all of those things. Uh, and listen, I'm grateful for God's blessings uh, that we get that we don't deserve. And I'm grateful for the salvation that he gives to us based on our faith and not on our works. Because our works cannot earn salvation. We know that. And so uh, we see the time of his righteousness. Go back to Romans chapter 4. In our text, we see the time was given way before the law, was given way before uh, the covenant was made with uh, Abraham. And, uh, and we see that. So when was it reckoned? It was reckoned before he was circumcised. So there was no uh, works there involved. Look with me at verse number 11, Romans 4.11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet been uncircumcised. Not only the time of righteousness, but I want you to see as well the sign of righteousness. The sign of righteousness. That's what Paul is saying. He received the sign of of circumcision. Now, the seal of circumcision in the Bible, it talks quite a bit of circumcision, and, and it makes a big deal out of circumcision. And in 2021, we are scratching our heads saying, why is this such a big deal? I looked up that word uh, circumcision and uncircumcised. It appears over a hundred times in the Bible. 
Why was it such a big deal? What was the deal with circumcision? Well, go back with me. Well, we were just there in Romans or Genesis chapter 17. Genesis 17. And look with me at this verse number 10, where it is instituted and it is given to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 and verse number 10. We'll go back to verse number 9. Genesis 17 and verse number 9. And God is giving a promise, a covenant to Abraham in this passage. Look at what it says. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. Verse 10, This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. This is a covenant that God has set forth with Abraham. And this is why it's such a big deal. It was a, it was a mark saying, listen, you are God's chosen people. And that God had set aside the Jewish people for a very uh, important reason. And, and we see that. And so they made a big deal. It was instituted by God. Listen, if God made a promise and made a covenant to you, it'd be a big deal. I mean, the fact that God came and talked to Abraham and worked out this deal with Abraham and said, listen, this is a promise to you. Uh, Listen, that was important to Abraham. It was not just important to Abraham. You read there in verse number 10, it was important to every child that was born in his house from this point forward. And that's why it carries forward all the way to the New Testament. That's why it's such a big deal to the Jews. Because it is a physical mark of the the covenant that God made with Abraham and the nation of Israel. And so uh, it is important. Listen, the the covenant or the uh, promises of God. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so the promises of God are important. I don't know about you, but this book is important to me. Why is this book important to me? Listen, it's the promises that God has given me. Uh, I don't have the same promises that Abraham has, but I tell you what, there are promises that God has made in His Word. That's why I so fundamentally stand on the King James Bible. Because I don't want people messing with God's Word. I know what went into translating this book. I know where it came from. And listen, this is a correct and accurate copy and and the inspired Word of God that we hold in our hand. It is the King James Bible. And a lot of people, they'll tell you, well, these translations are easier to read and you ought to read these. Listen, I don't want anyone to mess with God's promises. He's given me what He's given me, and I don't need something different. I don't want something different. I want to know what God said. And in all of those translations that they have, I can tell you they have messed with verse after verse after verse. They have taken the name of the Lord out of many verses. They've taken Jesus out of many of the verses. They have changed many of the doctrines. And people will say, well, it just reads easier. Listen, I'll take something that that, that reads a little harder, but I'm 100% for sure that it's accurate. Don't give me something that's been changed and messed with by man. I'll take the tried and true old Word of God that has been around for a long time. Listen, I'm not just, I'm telling you, I've, I've put my time in studying the Word of God. 
I've gone back and I've looked at uh, the, the ways of translation and things of that nature, and I'm not just, I know that this is the Word of God. And I don't want something different. I'm not interested in something that man has changed. Why? Because this is God's covenant with me. And I make a big deal of it, just like the Jews did. Listen, they was important. Why? Because it was a personal covenant given to them. If God came to me and personally gave me a covenant, buddy, you better believe I'm going to make a big deal of it. You better believe I'm going to pass that down to my kids. You better believe I'm going to make sure that they know, hey, God gave this to me, and it's something that's important to me. And that's exactly what Abraham did with this idea of circumcision. It was so important because God had made a big deal to contact and talk directly to Abraham. And he said, listen, from here forward, Those Jews were serious about it. They kept that covenant with God. They kept up uh, there, and they were not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, uh, but they they were holding on to that. An example that we have that uh, is something that that still excites me today. I I don't know if you've... uh, I didn't see any in the last week, and the Lord knows we've had enough rain, but I was looking for... I, I I don't think I've seen any rainbow. But you know, the rainbow is a covenant that God made with man. Hey, it's a big deal to me. Why? Because, listen, local areas may flood, but God made a promise to mankind that He would never flood the earth again. When I see a rainbow, I tell you what, I get excited about that. I say, well, there's a rainbow. Praise the Lord. God's made a promise with mankind, and He's given it to us. And listen, the... the, It makes me mad that people would steal the colors of the rainbow and apply them to some wicked thing uh, that is not godly. God had the purpose of setting that rainbow. You go back and read it in the book of Genesis, chapter number 9. He says, well, you go, we're right there. Why don't we go back there? Genesis chapter 9 and verse number 12. In Genesis chapter number 9, in verse number 12, the Bible says this, And God said, This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. This is a promise that God made. And He says, I, in verse 13, Genesis 9, 13, I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. Praise the Lord for that covenant. Hey, that the earth, listen, when wickedness abounds, you know why God flooded the earth in the first place? Because the earth was wicked. And the Bible says that man chased after wickedness and God, uh, God couldn't handle it anymore and he, fl- he cursed and flooded the whole earth. And they all died except for Noah because Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. What I'm saying is it's a big deal that God makes a promise with man. And so the Jews, they would uh, look at that promise, and it was a big deal to them. Just like, listen, the Word of God ought to be a big deal to us. It ought to be something that we adhere to, something that we hold dear to us, because, listen, uh, this is God's promise that He has given to us. We live in a world when they're trying to change all of God's words and all of God's promises and everything that God has given us, and He's given us the promise of His Word. Listen, not only the sign of righteousness was the seal of circumcision for the Jews, but I want you to notice as well that the sign of righteousness for us today is the seal 
of the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians and chapter number 1. And verse number 13. And look with me what it says. The Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth. So the gospel was preached, and you trusted. And he says that, he explains that. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, after you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he says there in verse 13, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. In other words, the Holy Spirit came down and He indwells you and He seals your life. In other words, listen, you can't lose your salvation. We could go back and we could talk about that. There's, there's a lot of things. I, I remember reading a book. I, it's probably one of my favorite books, to be honest with you. And, and, and it says, um, it said, I, I think it was 13 or 15. I don't remember now. It was a lot, of, a lot of numbers. But it was like 13 things that God would have to undo for you to lose your salvation. Undo. He's made a lot of promises to the believer. But one of those is the sealing of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit comes in and He seals you and you are saved for all of eternity. My mom used to, uh, my mom and my family, my grandma, my uncle, uh, they used to make jelly. And uh, they did it the old-fashioned way. I mean, they had a lot of trees and my grandma would go out and pick all the berries and my uncle would pick the berries and, and they'd get them and they'd boil them all down and, and they would make the jelly. I don't know how they did it all. And the last thing that they would do they would take wax. They'd seal that jar. Then they would take and, and put that top on after they, after they put that wax on. That wax would seal and it would preserve that jelly. It would keep it good. You didn't have to refrigerate. It always amazed me. You could set that thing. And I'm not kidding you. Uh, sometimes they would forget to write the year on it. And that kind of always scared me a little bit. <laughs> I'd open that thing up. I'm like, there's no year on this. They're like, it's still good. I'm like, how do you know it's good? It's sealed. It's sealed. Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit is the seal of our salvation. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 30. He says this in Ephesians 4.30, still talking about the Holy Spirit. He says, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. We have the time of righteousness that Paul, or uh, the apostle, or, or Abraham rather, had a definite time in his life, and it was before the law was given to him where he put his faith and trust in God and in the promises of God, and it was, uh, it was counted, it was reckoned unto him for righteousness. And then he had a sign that was given to him in Genesis 17.10. We read about that covenant and the sign that was given to him. Listen, you and I have been given a sign. The Holy Spirit comes in our life and he seals our life that is our that is our sign of our salvation listen i'm not talking about wild crazy stuff you know that but i am saying listen when when somebody moves into your life you know it if somebody moved into your house while you were at church tonight and you go home and and you open the door and somebody is sitting on your couch 
eating a bag of popcorn and watching your TV. You'd be like, wait, what is going on? Oh, I moved in. What? You'd be down 911. You say, what do you mean you moved? You can't be moving into my house. You would know somebody moved in. Listen, the day you get saved, the day you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody moves in and you know it. Hey, it's internal, but he's there and you know he's there. And we have a sign of righteousness, and that is the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, and He seals our salvation, and He makes us uh, sure until the day of redemption, as the Bible says, uh, that we are sealed. Not only that, but back in Romans chapter 4 and verse 13, so we see the, uh, the sign of promise. We see the time of righteousness, the sign of righteousness. Look with me at verse 13, and look at what it says there. It says in in Romans 4.13, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law. In other words, he didn't give them the, the promise through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Listen, Abraham received the promise not because of the law, Not because of the sign of circumcision, but he received it through faith. And that that is what Paul is saying here in this chapter, that he received it through faith. Uh, We were in in Genesis chapter 12. If you're still there, uh, let's go back there and just look at this real quick. Genesis chapter 12, this is when Abraham was called out. And we see this idea that it was not just to Abraham, uh, but it, was, it goes further that, than that. In, in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1 and 1 down through 3, the Bible says this, Now the Lord hath said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. God gave Abraham a promise. And He gave Abraham that promise before He gave him the law, before He gave him the sign, before He had uh, had instituted anything else. And He gave him a promise, and that promise was through faith. And it's not limited to the law. We see there that He says, listen, you go out and you do what I say. And He says, listen, I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. Listen, that... God has never renounced that. That is why our nation needs to stand with Israel. Because I'm telling you, those who bless Israel will be blessed, and those who curse Israel, hey, they're going to they're expect the curses of God in their life. That's Bible. That's what the Word of God says. But go on, it says in the last phrase, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. What an incredible promise that God gave to Abraham. How on earth are all families going to be blessed through through Abraham? Well, I can tell you this, it's not from the law. The Bible says that the law is a curse to us. 
Because it shows us that we're sinful. It shows us that we're sinners. It shows us that we're imperfect and we're not able to adhere to the law. So the only way that uh, in, in Abraham that all the families of the earth can be blessed is that the seed line from Abraham all the way down would trace all the way to Jesus Christ Himself. And that Jesus Christ would die on the cross of Calvary. And you and I, if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we have been impacted and we've been blessed by the seed of Abraham. That's how that works. It's not limited to the law like man would think. Go back with me to Romans chapter 4. And verse 14 and 15, let's just read these. And he tells them that it's not limited to, to the law. He says in verse 14, For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void. In other words, if it's by the law, then where's faith? Faith doesn't matter. It's no part of that. That's what he's saying. Uh, And he goes on and he says, and the promise made of none effect. In other words, the promise would be worthless. In verse 15, he clarifies, he says, because the law worketh wrath for for where no law is, there is no transgression. So he's saying, listen, the promise of righteousness did not come through the law. It came by the faith that Abraham placed in God. Look with me at verse 16 and 17. And we see here the the grace of that righteousness. Look with me there in verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith. He's talking about the same justification that he has been talking about uh, all the way back to chapter 3. That justification, it is of faith. That it might be by grace to the end of the promise, might be sure to all the seed not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. He says, listen, it's of faith by grace. I believe there's a verse in the New Testament, Ephesians, that talks about that. For by grace are you saved through faith, not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is exactly what Paul is teaching. And he's saying, listen, it's not through the law. It's not through our good works. It's not through anything that we could do. And listen, that means that it's open to the Jews who who have kept the law. They too can be saved and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. But it's also open to the Gentiles, us who don't know the law, who were not raised under the Jewish law, who were not uh, subject to the Jewish law. But listen, salvation uh, is, is available to us as well. Because it's grace, he says there in verse 15, or verse 16 rather. What is grace? Grace means the free, unmerited love and favor of God. Right here tonight, in this auditorium, Where you sit, just like you are, God loves you. That's grace. Listen, when you were lost and and undone and in your sin, as the Bible says, God loves you. The people that aren't here tonight, that are lost, they're, they're in the world, they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. God loves them. That's grace. That's showing them something that they don't deserve, but He still loves them. 
And he wants them to be saved. And he wants them to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is applied to all. It is open to all. And, uh, and listen, that's very clear. The Bible goes on in verse 17, and he says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Not just one, not just to the Jewish nation, not just to Israel, but of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Listen, salvation is open to all people. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I, lost in my sin, could put my faith and my trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, I can take you to the time and the place that I know that Jesus Christ changed my life. And I thank God for that. And listen, if you don't have that time in your life, why don't you make it tonight? He will save you tonight if you'll just call on Him and ask Him. And I'm grateful. That's grace. That's Him saying, I love you, and I want you to be saved, and I want you to put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. That's God's grace. We're not justified by good works. Coming to church will not justify you. Reading your Bible will not justify you. Praying will not justify you. Giving offerings will not justify you. Being baptized will not justify you. It's only by God's grace that any of us are saved. I'm grateful for God's goodness to us. For God's love. The fact that He's sealed our life, makes me want to serve Him. God, I pray that You would touch each and every heart as only You can. God, we thank You for Your Word. God, for Your goodness to us. And God, it's so clear with the illustration of Abraham that Paul is giving. There was a time of his belief, and it was before the law. There was a sign of his belief. and God, we certainly thank you for that. That those correlate and correspond to what you've given us. That we can have a time in our life when we can trust you. and Put our faith in you for salvation and you alone. And God, that you'll seal us with your Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would be with each and every heart this evening. God, if there's one that does not know you, I pray, Father, that you would, that he would put their faith or she would put their faith and trust in you for salvation and you alone. God, we ask all of this in your precious name. Amen. With our heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment as we have some music for invitation. If God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Maybe you just want to thank Him for the salvation that He's given. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, well, you know what? I'm not for sure that I'm saved. I, don't, I, don't, I can't take you to that place or that time in my life. I don't remember having a time that I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. Why not trust Him tonight? 
you'd come forward, we'd be happy to take the Word of God and show you how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. If you're a man, we'll have a man take the Bible and show you. If you're a lady, we'll have a lady take the Bible and show you. Just let me know. Nobody's looking around. All heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. There's no decision more important than that.